Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode here. I am your host, Danielle Dame, sugar freedom expert and somatic embodiment coach. And I'm deeply honored and excited to introduce you to today's guest and this conversation we are about to have on the show today. Shun Foreman is here to open up a very vital and important conversation around the link between sugar and sugar addiction and metabolic diseases like diabetes and hypertension with the challenges and struggles that people of color face. So Shun is here to really uh, talk about this link and this connection and help educate all of us on the, the, the different challenges that people in communities of color struggle with. And the different things that they've had to face from a lifetime of trauma and slavery into current cultural norms and even access to to healthy food at reasonable prices. There are so many areas that we take this conversation and I'm, I'm so deeply honored to continue my education journey. And I hope that this is a place for you to do that as well. So before I introduce Shun, a couple other teasers, some things we talked about, Shun's very powerful and inspirational healing journey with sugar herself and how her why and the actual catalyst for changing her relationship with sugar and getting off of sugar actually had nothing to do with the physical aspects that were showing up for her in her life in in eating sugar, but more about the cultural um, history that her people have had in in relation to sugar and sugar plantations. So we talk about uh, how the history and how certain books and information has really guided her as a catalyst on her healing journey. We talk about why the impact of sugar is being seen more in BIPOC communities and communities of color. What aspects of life in these communities are actually playing a big factor in contributing to more sugar addiction and metabolic dysfunction within these communities? She also shares about Sugarland. I didn't know about this. I'm being educated and I loved everything, you know, that she was really educating me on and hopefully you do as too about Sugarland in Texas and the impacts that slavery of colored people have actually had in contribution to the processed food addiction that exists now and the bondage that was created between sugar addiction and just sugar consumption and actual slavery and actual work in those plantations. So a lot of fascinating conversation we have. That's just a little teaser. You're going to have to listen, tune in to the full episode here because I don't know, as a white woman, I feel like I still have a lot of learning to do. And I share this with Shun. There's a lot that I still need to learn. And I want to continue having more of these conversations in an area that I'm never fully going to understand as a white woman. And I know a lot of you listening here resonate with being white as well. And hopefully more and more of our listeners, um, you know, can educate and, and people of color can come to this show, come to Shun, come to this movement around understanding the food that we're putting in our body and have more access to, to healthy food, right. And to these resources of knowledge to make those changes. So Really, really beautiful conversation. Okay, let me introduce Shun to you. For for those who don't know who, who Shun Foreman is, she is an incredible human being. And after hearing of and seeing enough injustices within the Black American communities, Shun actually chose to return to school for a master's degree in human rights and social justice. She just there were too many things going on. And she did the thing where she said, I need to do something. And she went back to school and has just done so many incredible things since then. While learning that she could then start using her lens of healthcare as a nurse to understand the health disparities in communities of color, Shun focused on the history of sugar in Black communities. And to understand the sugar industry's role in Black American history, Shun actually traveled to the sugar plantations in Louisiana and Sugarland, Texas. 
Her conversations with the late Reginald Moore in Sugarland and plantation tours are actually a critical piece to why she stays motivated to cut sugar from her diet, sustain a greater than 60 pound weight loss, and bring sugar awareness to communities of color. Shun has over 25 years of nursing experience in areas ranging from childbirth and intensive care to research and administration. And she is recently also a certified and licensed sugar addiction counselor. Shun loves working to help save lives as a sugar coach for African-American women and a community speaker as she establishes her business, which is called Sugar Mode Off. So there's a little bit about Shun. She shares so much more of her story live here on the show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and play that interview with Shun Foreman. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode on the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. I'm so excited for today's conversation. And today's guest, Shun Foreman, is here joining us today. Welcome to the show, Shun. Oh, my gosh. Danielle. Like, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Um, and thank you just for the exchange. I know we're um, just ready for a conversation, but I'm just grateful and honored that you've invited me to your show. Yeah. Thank you for, for saying yes to coming on. And uh, I mean it when I say I'm really, really excited for this conversation because this is the first time uh, on the show and, you know, I've had someone, a person of color, beautiful woman of color here to actually talk about sugar in, in reference to the BIPOC communities and to, to the challenges that they face specifically that I'm probably not even aware of as a white woman, right? And, and navigating life in a different way that I have to navigate. So I'm really, really excited for this. And I want to start, start people off because I know you have a really incredible story and healing journey with sugar. So will you share maybe a little bit of your background and start us off, you know, sharing a little bit of your journey with how you've navigated your struggles with sugar and, and really healed on your own? Absolutely. So I'll start by just saying that I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse now for 25. This is going to my 26th year of nursing. And um, the the weird thing is you would think it would be quite natural for me to go into like this um, health journey and to go on this journey of just trying to find myself, trying to feel better um, just because nursing was the thing. But that wasn't the lens that I was able to use. Um, it was actually, um, I was inspired back when Trayvon Martin was, uh, was killed in the United States, um, which is a black boy who was walking through, um, his community trying to get to a store and then was, um, shot down by someone who was, um, in his community. And, um, a radio show that I was listening to at the time sort of kind of, uh, I would say it gave me a soft nudge to say, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, well, I can't do anything about that. Like, because for one, that's done. Um, for two, I'm a nurse. Uh, and I felt like my space was sort of to stay within what I was feeling comfortable with, which was healthcare. And so, um, the bigger thing is I was able to, um, get into a, 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 a master's degree program where it's human rights and social justice. And in that program, I was able to use the lens of um, healthcare and nursing and being a black woman um, in every course. So if I was taking ethics, I would use my black self, you know, in that course and take it and use that lens. And if I was taking the Holocaust, I'm like, what did that mean to black people? What did it mean to health? You know, so I started to use all of these different um you know, just use my lens in every course and every course. And so it got down to the end of the course uh, or the end of the program. And I decided to do a thesis. And that thesis I wanted to do was at the time, I really thought it was going to be diabetes in black people. But lo and behold, there's every paper in the world that's written about black people and diabetes. So there was really no need for me to try to do that work. So I looked into um, diabetes a little bit closer and then started to think, oh, my gosh, it's sugar. It's the sugar is in the middle of this. So um, I sort of connected um, the dots between sugar and then also looking at um, African-American. And I happened to be reading a book at this time, which was, um, uh, what was the name of it? I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of it. Anyway, that book helped me to link, uh, just say, if you got a problem, 
any problem in your family, just take it back as far as you can. And so I was able to take that that information from that book and then just say, okay, Black people, I know we have a problem with diabetes and sugar, so let's just take that back as far as we can. So that is the thing that sort of took me on this journey of looking at our Black bodies, you know, into slavery. So once I was able to do that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so many books out there that have been written. Um, We could go on about books all day long and I can get caught up into books. So I will try not to do that. But there's a lot of information out there about um, bondage and 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 slavery and, you know, how many slaves um, there were that were put into these um, sugar colonies. And so. It was then when the light bulb sort of went off for me was just thinking, wow, like black people, we have been slaves to this whole sugar thing forever, like forever. And so it really just made me think, like, what can I do right now to sort of dig into this information a little bit more? And so I was able to go um down to Sugarland, Texas, and talk to um, a local historian named Mr. Reginald Moore. And he is the one that taught me a little bit more about um, convict leasing, which was what happened to uh, the freed slaves in the United States after uh, emancipation. Well, some were were actually locked up and made to do the work all over again, but they were in a prison system. So um Lo and behold, I'm from Texas. I didn't even know anything about Sugarland. I didn't know anything about uh, convict leasing. I didn't know that it existed in Texas. Um, but to know that um, after uh, African-Americans were free, that they were forced into labor camps or prison camps and then forced into um, sugar cane work, which was then building up uh, industries, the sugar industries, in which we know here in Texas was imperial sugar. And then um, I was also um, able to go down to uh, New Orleans where the sugar plantations existed and take some tours and see like what's what is it that I can gain from just taking a tour where I know that there were slaves that made that were made to do sugar cane work. And so once I was on those plantation tours, I think that was the thing that kind of motivated me to just say like, this is, this is wild because it's not until you like really tour a place or you see a place and you touch things that you're really impacted by the bondage and the history and all of those things that you read in a book, but they don't mean anything to you. But then when you're sitting in the middle of a sugar plantation and it's now made a tour and it's for education or tourist, you know, attractions, you're thinking like, well, what about my people? Like, what about the people that look like me? And then you're still looking at narratives that are white narratives, you know, because it's not like you're going to hear the narrative of the, 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 you know, the slave who was doing the work or the slaves who were doing work, you're mostly hearing the narratives of the masters and, and their families and how important they were to the community, but not the slaves. So um, that probably was the thing that changed my behavior with sugar. I sort of went on this whole thing where I'm like, okay, if I see sugar and it's on whatever I eat, I'm going to sort of protest in my own way, which is to put the thing down. You know, if I see the word sugar, I put the thing down. So that was the thing that um, basically I was able to eliminate those sodas and, you know, just things, cereal, anything you see the word sugar. Um, And I was, you know, with, with that change in my behavior, I was able to lose weight. I wasn't thinking about it. I kind of was thinking, you know, just you know, school was the thing. I was I was writing a thesis and, you know, I was just thinking maybe stress or whatever. But when I look back on that, at that point, I lost maybe 30 pounds. So um, and and so once I was done with school, thesis turned in, I was able to really. I think at that point, I felt like sugar was a calling, like I was just like, there's no way I'm going to be done with this because that's all I've been doing is really reading papers and books about sugar and 
everything for almost two years. So during that time, I really had started to make the connection between metabolic syndrome and sugar. And I was taking it seriously. Like this is, wow, I didn't know that inflammation and all of these things. So I started to really make those things real for me. And then that's when I said, I've got to get more education. I want to learn more about sugar. I'm not ending this journey here. And then I was introduced um, into Bitten's world, uh, which if you don't know Bitten, I know you know Bitten, but everybody knows Bitten in the sugar world. But if the listeners don't know Bitten, Bitten is the one that really, um, I think she honed in the, the idea of um, taking sugar beyond just a substance. She looks at it as as an ad- addictive substance. And that's the thing that actually helped me to change my behavior even more, which then we're talking about, I understand metabolic syndrome for what it really is and addiction for what it really is. And then I'm able to lose 20 or 30 more pounds and I'm having the, you know, the foggy brain is gone away. So um, that's kind of where it began for me, you know, was just like taking something that I was very comfortable with, which was healthcare and being a black woman. I was very comfortable with that. And then saying, I'm just going to use just my lens. Don't worry about anybody else's lens. Let's take this thing all the way back to slavery and then bring it all the way up to today. And like, how do we, how do we present ourselves um, as numbers in the healthcare sense system as Black people. Well, if we know we're a minority group, but we represent a majority of the healthcare cases. And so even with that, um, you know, we, we know hypertension is a big thing in, in our community. We know diabetes is a big thing. We know obesity is a big thing in our community. So for me, it was really just looking at we're such a big piece of that puzzle today. And then even taking it beyond that and looking at the pharmaceutical companies and saying, oh, wow, you know, and in a way I still say it, you know, and I think your show really represents what I love talking about, which is that there is a freedom behind cutting sugar, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it, you know, that started me into like who is sugar mode off, you know? So that's it. Wow. Wow, that's it, but there's so much more as well. Thank you for for sharing all of that. We're going to definitely get a little deeper. I just really want to share, yeah, how grateful I am for you bringing all of that forward and how, you know, as I'm listening to you share that part of your story and what really uh, triggered for you, right, that change with what you're eating and, and putting the sugar down. I think there's a lot of my listeners and a lot of women that I work with that feel enslaved by sugar, right? They feel like they have no control. They feel like it rules everything. And you're really coming from this place of like real slavery with sugar and having this like historical cultural aspect. And like you said, bond right with sugar cane, like every day your life, you know, in, in history, right. Of, you know, people of color coming from literally every minute, every day being about sugar, right. And about the sugar cane and about, you know, the trauma that has been experienced in those generations of ancestors as well, that now carries forward to be combined with the actual physical addiction, the way that our world works right now, you know, all of the things that uh, we usually talk about when we talk about sugar addiction. So I just really appreciate you bringing that lens and and sharing that 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 was really the catalyst that started that change for you, not not necessarily just the, well, this is bad for me. I need to stop it. It's every time I eat sugar, I'm contributing to the slavery that has happened, right? And this injustice and the trauma that my people have been through. So I think that that's just really, really powerful. And that really hit home for me. And I appreciate appreciate that that piece being brought forward. So I'm curious, like you mentioned this, and, and I'm really fascinated by this. I think some people maybe aren't aware that that exists. And you mentioned, right, that there's a lot of cases of like hypertension, diabetes, uh, you know, a lot of these diseases that are actually more prevalent in communities of color than for, you know, white, white people. So I'm curious, why do you think that is? You know, why do you feel, especially around the lens of sugar, right? Why do you feel that the impact of sugar or that whole world of sugar is being seen and, and, and maybe even more damaging in communities of color? You know, I'm, I'm going to just keep it personal. 
you know, I'm just going to say this is my answer for me. I cannot speak for all Black people, but I'm going to speak for me. Um, I think the difference between what I do now versus what I used to do was I had no awareness of sugar at all. I had, and I, now get, it's kind of weird because you would think, yes, I'm a nurse. I've taken a nutrition course. I should know, you know, what's healthy, but I don't think that I was ever, um, eating unhealthy or what I thought back then unhealthy food. I don't think I was, I really thought I was eating healthy food. I thought if I paid a little bit more money for it, um, then it was healthy. If it said organic or raw, then it was healthy. If it said less sugar on it, then I'm giving my kids something that was healthy. So what is different now is knowing that, hey, we I have some awareness around this whole thing that we talk about with sugar. For one, like we're, we're talking about carbohydrates, one of those things, if you see one carb, that's the same thing as one uh, gram of sugar. So um, just knowing like basic things like that, how to read a label, you know, and that sugar has over, I don't know how many names. I think we're probably creating a sugar right now, but we, we know for sure there's at least 75 different names of sugar. Um, and then knowing that it that it's addictive. You know, I think that was a critical piece for me um, is just looking at it as a substance and also saying, hey, if it's not that big of a deal, then just quit it, like quit it, try to quit it, you know, and it is a big deal to quit it, you know, or to at least try to quit it because there's so many things that we're exposed to. And then um, not not just that, but it's also just. You know, it's so easy for it to slide into whatever you're eating or whatever you're drinking or, you know, the, the next sugar that's out is not actually named sugar. So um, I think that's the biggest difference for me. And I think a lot of households um, that maybe that where like from where I'm from, you know, is we would eat for sure a protein. But then also usually it was a protein plus a carb now that I look at it or starch and then another starch. And then not only that, but we would some we would put sugar on if it was corn, we put sugar on corn, you know, and, you know, if you had mashed potatoes, there's a chance you probably made made that with evaporated milk. So there were different things that I think we were doing you know, in our household that we were just not aware of, just not, just no awareness that, hey, if you eat that full plate of the mashed potatoes, plus the corn, plus the the uh, chicken, you know, fried chicken, that's a lot of that is going to convert into carbs, you know, and a lot of that is going to convert into sugar. And then, so there we go. But now it's different because I know not to do that. I, and that's what's different. And I think that may be a struggle for many households that are um, Black in Black households. I think it may be a struggle yeah. because, um, you know, you just we're just thinking we're eating healthy and we're really not. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so true. And, and should I, you know, I see that, I see that with all my clients, right? White women, women of color, like hu human beings, right? I feel like that knowledge piece is missing for all of us, right? I know for me, that was something I never learned. Like we don't learn this in school, right? And we don't learn it in our households. We, we didn't know, right? We didn't know about metabolic syndrome. We didn't know about the dangers of sugar, right? We blamed fat for many years. Like there's such a, like what I hear you sharing, such a, a knowledge gap, right? And and maybe even more so in communities of color, right? And more, and like what really stands out for me, and, and this was kind of my curiosity, again, being completely ignorant, you know, you know, as a white woman attempting to educate myself and, and learn about different cultures, but having traveled quite a bit, I do see in many cultures, um, you know, whether it's Latina cultures, Black cultures, right, that prevalence of that type of food in the cultural upbringing, right? The fried stuff, the sugar, the sweets, the, you know, added to everything. And, you know, I'm curious, like, is that all that's going on with, you know, this, like, I I'm still really fascinated about why, why, okay, we'll say black communities, because that's, you know, where, where you focus your, your, your education and your, your time and expertise. 
Like why are like rates of diabetes higher there when even for white communities, right? We don't have the education growing up. I mean, obviously we're all around the planet, you know, extremely addicted to sugar. Is it, is it a genetic thing? Is it just that cultural piece that, um, that, you know, black communities just eat more sugar or is it maybe even deeper in terms of like how they use sugar? You know, something I'm really fascinated about is that cultural aspect of like using sugar to show love, right? Or using sugar to connect or using sugar to celebrate. Like, is that just maybe more prevalent or, you know, I, I feel like there's something else going on. I don't know if you have anything else that you can add to that or curiosities or anything maybe you've learned even around a genetic component. This is, this is a thought for me. Um, something that I've, I've thought about for a while is um, I really think that it has a lot to do with access. And I think access could be um, the same for some white communities as there are, you know, Hispanic and also black. I really think it has to do with, with access. And especially uh, when we think about access, not so much that, Hey, I can go to the grocery store, but um does a, a central market look different from a, a regular grocery store? And it does. I mean, I think there's a consciousness around uh, the way some of the stores are set up um, and like how things are marketed. I mean, if you have uh, three bags of chips for, you know, five or six dollars and somebody's got to feed a family of, of five they're likely to buy the three bags of chips, you know, because it's cheaper and they feel like it can go for a longer period of time than if they would to just, you know, buy some spinach. Um, and so, and I, and I don't think that, I think, you know, when we talk about um, high fructose corn syrup and when we talk about um, just too much sugar period, too much added sugar period, I think pound for pound, we're looking the same. I, I think part of it is just, you know, who, because I, I think because of the work that we do, like I've run into a number of white diabetics as well, you know, I, I, and I see it just like I see now, maybe not as many, but I think it just has to do with what we're eating. Like, and if that access is low quality, high press processed food, you know, ultra processed food, high sugar food, then I'm sorry. I think, I think the verdict is going to be the same for whoever's eating a lot of that crap. And, uh, you know, we, we probably are over represented. I, I feel like that, but I also just feel like there's something about where we live. And those sources of foods or access to food, um, that might be the biggest thing for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fascinating. That makes, that makes a lot of sense, right? When we even think of, um, you know, the high prevalence of people of color in general being below the poverty line or just struggling more, right? In these types of communities and even the way the communities are set up, like you said, the types of supermarkets, what foods are actually there. Um, I know traveling in South America, um, years ago, or whenever actually I go to a Hispanic country, it's so fascinating to see the grocery stores are just filled with crap, right? There's a whole aisle just for vegetable oils and sugar and like, what? Like, where's the real food? Where's the, and you know, you have to go to the, the, the special markets for that or whatnot. So it's a really good point, right? Is, is just not having access, not being surrounded every day by whole real foods, right? So, and the cost, Right. And we know now where we are in this day and age in 2023, right? Food costs are skyrocketing and it's crazy. So having that sort of dissonance and like you said, access that that definitely um, hits home. And I know I was sharing with you before this, like one of my fascinations, because I can't help myself, is the trauma aspect here. Right. And we don't have to go deep into this, you know, today. That's probably a conversation for another day, but 
like the prevalence of obviously coming out of slavery and obviously the mass amounts of trauma that people of color carry from from centuries, right? Centuries from the dawn of time, right? Of, of what they've been through and what they've had to deal with and what that's actually uh, collected energetically in, in like that collective trauma in the cells, right? And actually in the nervous system and how that's possibly predisposed more people of color to these diseases, right? To metabolic dysfunction. Um, I'm really fascinated about that the mental, mental, physical aspects of how trauma actually shapes our cells, right? And actually turns on and off our genine, genes and, and epigenetics. And I mean, a whole nother tangent for another day, but I just wanted to throw that in there as sort of a curiosity and a hypothesis around, you know, how that has actually impacted, you know, this, this, the higher rates of disease in, in people of color. I don't know if you, do you have any thoughts around that? Obviously you'd, you'd know more about that than I would, but it's a, it's a curiosity. I, it's, it's so, it's so amazing because I think part of the trauma for me was just not knowing that sugar was that big of a deal for slavery, you know? Um, so the educational component, I, I'd like to say that I'm um, privileged to be a black woman who's been educated in really good systems and it was my own self uh, curiosity that put me into learning about what sugar really meant to my history. Now, that is one whole level of trauma that to me is very different from even just the post-traumatic slavery syndrome, which is the book that I was going to say, um, post-traumatic slave syndrome. Um, that I think that we experience as um, African-Americans um, because because if my mom is raising me in a way to protect me uh, and to to keep me safe um, and perhaps I reach for a cookie because that makes me feel safe, you know, um, that's a whole nother thing after it's a whole nother thing because after I've said, okay, well, my, my mom's trying to keep me safe. I'm actually trying to feel safe. And then I have to learn that the system I learned that I'm educated from, I'm, I have to actually educate myself to learn that this whole thing is, is bigger than what I've been taught. It's just so, it's so complex. It's very difficult to process, you know, um, but I will say that the, there is a freedom in it for me. And it was like once I began to cut sugar, kick sugar, get it out of the way, that's when some of my anxiety began to decrease. And I was able to be really objective about things. I didn't have so many paranoid thoughts about like, this is going to happen to me today. Um, what am I going to do if this happens to me? You know, um, and so I don't run my life or live my life in a fear mode anymore. Um, and I think that's where really that's where I have to draw the line, you know, and say this worked for me. And it's really just difficult to to sort of take this thing all the way back, you know, into all of the trauma that it's created. It's, I mean, all of the trauma, you know, land being taken, you know, there's, there's just so many ways to look at it, you know? So I don't know if that's answering your question because I'm, I'm, my brain is literally oh, trauma in so many ways, you know, it's so many ways. Because diabetes is one thing, you know, and I think if you're a black person, you you know so many people who have diabetes. Is is you know, so when you lose a loved one to um, a complication of diabetes, you know, then you you really start to think differently. Like I don't want it. I don't. You know, I, what can I do? You know. So um, yeah, that I'm sorry. I I, I could go on and on. 
like about that. I feel like this would take up a whole podcast. Yeah, I know, right? We'll have to do another one. And please, absolutely do not apologize. I really, really appreciate you, you know, for sharing that. And um, and you mentioned something that I, I feel like was really important and really powerful in that is around safety, right? And when we kind of have that conversation and how how sugar, and this is, I think, for all communities, right, is like sugar has become that sense of safety, right? And your mom and your mom's mom and, you know, use sugar and food as a way to like soothe or safety, especially in times of turmoil, traumatic times, right? It became this tool um, to help the family survive, right? And that was a good thing at the time. That's what needed to happen, right? That, that needed to for survival, but it's created this pattern in our bodies, right? Where it's like, okay, sugar is how I feel safe. And what I hear you sharing is actually removing sugar and having obviously some serious motivation to do so for yourself, actually retaught your body. You know, I know you mentioned about having anxiety. It sounds like the removal of sugar actually helped your body feel safer, right? It's almost like sugar was mentally this idea of I'm going to be safe if I eat a cookie or like I'm going to be soothed. I'm going to have a dopamine hit of happiness. But by taking it away, you actually notice that maybe your nervous system regulated and calmed and you didn't have the fear and the anxiety rolling around as much. So I just wanted to pull that out because I think a lot of listeners might relate to that of like using food to cope with anxiety or to cope with fear, or to feel safe. And it's actually a double-edged sword because it's not actually helping you do that, right? Sugar's just like blasting your hormones and your anxiety levels and contributing. It's like having six cups of caffeine, right? You're not going to feel relaxed. You're going to be, those symptoms are going to be worse. So um, I love that you mentioned that, you know, removal of sugar actually helped with those, those mental uh, physical challenges that you were having, which is, which is, yeah, just feels so powerful. So thank you for sharing that, that piece. What do you feel like is the solution here? You know, I, I would love to invite you to speak about any of like the work that you're doing, especially, you know, in communities of color. What do we need to do? You know, what are, what are some action steps that we can take either as a collective or individually? What do you see as the solution here? You know, I really think that you're doing it. Um, I think if we collaborate more and uh, cross over, cross connect, intersect more, the better off it is for our people. But um, I, I really believe that using those, what I call like the angle of awareness as a critical component for people to be taught, like people need to know what sugar is and what it does. And I think for um, any community that's saying that, that it's going to help another community, it's just like, that's kind of where we start. You know, it's like doing a nursing assessment. You find out what your patient knows first and whatever they don't know, then that's where you start to teach, you know. And um, and I don't really like to even call it teach, but more like exchange. You know, let's do an exchange. Let's talk. Let's see what you know now. But that's also for the person who's willing to get it. You know, we know that there's just some people that just won't be ready. Um, but for those who are ready, we just continue to exchange, just continue to exchange. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest piece in uh, like what I really try to do with the work that I do is um, is to create the awareness. Um, and especially in the Sisters Breaking the Bonds of Sugar um, group, that group is, uh, I think we've got about 800 women now of color. And really my job there is to focus on sugar awareness. And and then occasionally you have people who will raise their hand and say, I won't help or I don't understand. And when they when they ask those serious questions, especially with the DM, then that's when you go into trying to find out if they're, you know, addicted, you know, addicted. And that's where the real work begins, you know, is for somebody who um, gravitates to the language, understand that sugar can be addictive. They believe in it. Um and then you start to help as much as you can. Um, I really feel like your show, Danielle, is doing what it needs to do. Like it is, you're staying stuck on the topic of sugar and saying, hey, you know, this this thing, if you give it up, it's a freedom for you. You know, it's a freedom for you. So I think you're doing what you, what, 
what what you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, we both are. We both are, you know, and, and I and I love that. I mean, that is one of the purposes of this conversation, this podcast, right, is just to educate, right? I mean, we ha- that's where we have to start with any problem or any change that we want to make, right, is education. So I guess I, I'm going to call out to everybody listening. The best thing that you can do here is send this episode to five people that you love, Right. And I'm, I'm actually curious on that note, uh, your take. I mean, I, I have my own thoughts and opinions about this, but I'm really curious. Like you mentioned earlier, obviously there's people who aren't ready, right? Aren't ready to learn, aren't ready to take what you have to share. How, first of all, like, how do you know if someone's ready or not? And, and how do you personally, or what have you seen maybe in other people that is an effective way to approach the sugar education conversation with someone that you love? Um, I know personally, you know, I've, I've become like the sugar girl in my family and sometimes my family just doesn't want to hear it. They don't want to know what they're eating, right? My mom's showing me something she bought at Costco and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just have to keep it to myself. Like it's loaded with crap, right? That I want to tell her about, but she's not wanting to hear it. So how do you, how do you find that line and, and start educating people without sounding like you're on a soapbox or annoying people? Yeah, my kids would probably say I'm always on a soapbox. I try not to do, and at least now I don't sugar preach. I I started out with like, ah, you can't do that. So, um, you know what I've found has been most the most helpful thing is when a person tells you that they've got a problem. So, for an example, um, hypertension, and then if if you talk to them on the level of how sugar creates this problem for you, or it creates the inflammation, or it impacts your um, kidneys, or you know, the circulation, then it seems to be a little bit more helpful for one, because they came to you with the problem, you know, you didn't go to them. Um, And then two, you're talking to them on the level that they care about. They care about hypertension. That's what they care about. So they brought that information to you. So you just continue to talk around like how sugar could be impacting your blood sugar, your blood pressure. So that's been the most helpful thing for me, which, um, you know, we talk about metabolic syndrome. That's been the game changer for me because it keeps there's so many people that you can cover if you're talking about metabolic syndrome, you know, that 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 language becomes um, it's natural for me to use it, but it's also natural for them to hear. And it's it's they hear it. It's normalized. It, they 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 know grandma had diabetes. They know uncle had diabetes. And so they don't want it. They And that's the first thing is like people will tell you, I don't want to be on these meds forever. I don't want to be, you know, so when they come to you with that, then that means they're ready. That that really is the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like not giving out maybe unsolicited advice, right? And wait till people say something or ask you a question, right? That absolutely, I 100% agree with you, right? It's never going to be met or received when you're just preaching, right? Sugar preaching. I love that. Um, You know, when someone who isn't asking for it or doesn't need it, right? And sometimes that can be really hard. I don't know about you, but I really struggle with that because I feel like I I know so much and I have so much wisdom that I can share or little tidbits that I can share from a place of love and non-judgment. Just, hey, did you know this? And um, sometimes people just don't want it, don't want it. And it, and then it, you know, it creates creates a, a difficult relationship sometimes. I've had, I've been in some situations where it's really not, not well received. So I've had to learn like how to, how to walk that line. And I think that's great advice around like waiting till someone says something, right? Or comes to you or asks like, how are you so vital? And uh, like, how did you lose all that weight and, and have so, so much vitality, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, just really just for me, it's like figure out what a, what a win is like for me, you know, when I say I've got a household now that we don't buy sodas anymore, that's a win for my freaking household. You know, but there was a time where I was purchasing the three for $9.99, you know what I'm saying? So I think you 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 figure out what a win is, you especially with, with the key points of awareness and say, you know, if they eat that way, at least they know, you know, that you know, at, at least I, they know what awareness is. You know, my family, they know what sugar awareness is. And if they choose to do something differently, that's that's fine. You know, so um, and then and then also just I think 
focusing on what your purpose is in life. You know, my purpose in life is just to sort of just be a person who makes connections and to connect things. And as long as I am like operating with that energy of just making a connection, not the person who is making someone do something, but hey, you know, if you eat too much of that, you remember your your knee was hurting. Maybe it's that, you know, maybe you want to cut back, you know, just making that connection. And then that's it. That's just staying purposed. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Shannon. That You're the connector. We need connectors on this planet, right? To just, like, I almost see you just walking around planting seeds, right? Just like, did you, did you think about this? Did you know that? Did you, right? And then, right, each of us individuals can do something with that information. They can go, oh, you know what? I'm willing to try that and see if my knee pain goes away, right? Or not, right? As opposed to being the, like, forcing them. But yeah, that's that's really beautiful. I'm so grateful for you doing that work, Shun. And it's so needed, right? Just just starting that education, connecting those dots for people and, um, you know, really being in that. That's really, yeah, really powerful. Uh, so before we wrap things up, you know, I just want to open up here to you. Is there anything else that you, you know, is on your heart today that you feel we didn't get to cover or that you really want to share with my audience um, around, you know, everything that we've talked about or, or something completely different that you want to share? Um, I think we're all at a point, I think post, I think COVID has taken us all to a point where for one, we've had opportunities to reflect. Um, but two, I think it puts us in a position to say, where are we going to go from here? Like, and at the end of the day, I mean, like this podcast, yes, is about sugar, but it truly is about devoting yourself to some type of positive change, some type of positive energy that the world needs now. <laughs> like it does not really have to be about sugar. In my sugar group on uh, Wednesday nights, um, it is so rare that we talk about sugar and so rare that we talk about food. It is much more important for us to have a human connection and to talk about what things we are going to hold ourselves accountable for and each other for so that we can become that positive change that we all need. And um, I think it's really clear in, especially in the Black community, is when we see someone out there who's doing something great, it gives us a glimpse of what we can do. And that's really all I kind of see myself as trying to do in the sugar world is like, you know, people will say all the time, girl, I can't, I can't go without my sugar. And I'm like, if you knew, like, if you, if you don't think you can, here I am, you know, if you don't think you can go to the family reunion and not have a piece of pie or a piece of cake, then look at me, look and see, what am I doing? I'm eating meat. You know, so so I think that's what it's all about. It's just like we have got so many opportunities to just go out there and be the positive change that people need to see. That's that's it. I don't care about the color as much as as it is that that's really where the real work is. It's just being a positive change. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the uh, thank you. I mean, it's it's that um, decades old saying, right? Be the change you want to see in the world, right? And it's so true, right? And I so love that you're 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 being that for your people and your your community that you have, which is so incredible. That look at me, right? And I think sometimes that's all we need is like, oh, it is possible, right? That that little crack in our mind because we've been telling ourselves our whole lives on repeat that it's not possible. It's not. There's no way I could exist in my family and my culture and not eat sugar, right? We have these beliefs and it's so beautiful seeing women like you and, and all of those who are listening or anyone else in the sugar movement, right? Being that proof that here I am with my challenges and my life and, and you know, just that, that little piece that helps 
hopefully lend that hand to someone who's willing to take that first step and, and to go forward. So I, yeah, I really think that's such a beautiful message to kind of, um, wrap things up here with us today. I uh, would love to invite you, of course, if anybody wants to connect with you, where can they find you online? I'm, I'm going to make sure that link to your incredible Facebook group um, is down in the show notes below for any other women of color who are listening to this that want to come and join and be supported by you and the other 800 incredible women that are there. Uh, but where else can people come and connect with you and, and be a part of your movement? Thank you. Um, so I am on Instagram at Sugar Mode Off. And uh, Facebook, there's a business page, um, Sugar Mode Off. And if there's anyone who's open and uh, willing to be an, an ally or a woman of color, um, there's the Sisters Breaking the Bonds of Sugar um, group. Uh, and that's on Facebook. And then if you just have a general question or anything, you can always just email me at sugarmodeoff at gmail.com. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you for showing up today and sharing, being willing to share and have this conversation with me. Uh, I, I personally, you know, feel very honored and, and deeply touched by what you shared and uh, appreciate my continued education in, you know, in, in this work and, and in this connection between, you know, people of color and sugar and, and food and just what's really going on here that we all need to be aware of so we can maybe have more compassion or maybe support people in a different way. So I, yeah, just very deeply from my heart to yours, appreciate that. And just grateful for more collaborations and more conversations into the future. And yeah, definitely have you back on the show and we can deep deeper go into this conversation in the future. I'd love to. And just thank you again for the invitation. It means so much to me. Um, and I hope it means a lot to your community and mine. Yeah, I think so. This is, like I said, this is, this is really important conversation, really important on many levels. So this is, um, you know, everybody who's, who's tuned in and listened to this, thank you for listening. And please, as I said earlier, share this episode with five people that you love. That really helps, helps us educate more, you know, not just around sugar, but around everything else that, that Shin and I have talked about today. And I am looking forward to keeping the conversation going. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Shun, again, thanks for being here and we will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe, leave a review and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.